Welcome to this week's podcast by Celebration Church Rarotonga. We believe this message will empower and equip you to live a life of breakthrough. Thanks for joining us. The situation is this, I've been talking about delay. Now, the spirit, if I was to say the spirit of delay, it's not actually in Scripture. You won't see, like, uh, you won't see in the Old Testament and the New Testament a spirit or an unclean spirit of delay. It doesn't actually talk like that in those terms. But it's not additionally biblical. We see it in the, in the story of Nehemiah when Sambalat and Tobias were inspired, if you like, by the kingdom of darkness to slow down the work. We see in uh, Daniel chapter 10, very simple, that, uh, um, uh, what's his name, that uh, Daniel and that, it basically works this way in the story that you've got Daniel who began to pray for Israel, pray for a breakthrough. He was praying for 21 days, but the Bible says this, that the time that he prayed, when he set his heart to pray, the Lord heard his prayers. So the moment, the day he prayed, the Lord actually heard from heaven. But it took about 21 days for it to be materialized. Gabriel had to come down. And the Bible says, or Gabriel says that he was actually um, uh, withheld or held up or in opposition to a spirit, a ruling, what they call as a princeton spirit, or a ruling prince that sits over modern day Iran, Persia. And then it says, the only body that came to help me is your chief priest that stands over the state of Israel came to intervene. intervene. And he said, now I have the answer to your prayers. But the remarkable story is that it took him 21 days. The very first time that he prayed, it was heard in heaven. So I want to submit to you, have you ever prayed and things have been held up in the realms of the Spirit for you? And you've wondered why. Could it be that there are entities, demonic forces, that are so keen on holding you back and resisting your life and holding your interests back, kingdom interests back, that have rallied forces to actually hinder the work of God around your life? I want to submit that to you today. I want to talk about Paul the Apostle said, time and time again, I decided to visit you. He said, but Satan had hindered me. So Paul is now calling out the powers of darkness and identifying the resistance was inspired by hell or inspired by the kingdom of darkness. Really interesting. And as we begin to unfold or unpack or dissect that, Paul, who is full of revelation and the Holy Spirit, actually turned and identified it was the kingdom of darkness that was slowing down him beginning to minister and begin to visit certain people that had interest in the kingdom of God. Uh, you know, I want to say this. I do believe that there are entities, there are spirit powers that are actually specifically orchestrated to slow down the kingdom work. Absolutely. Opposition. And the spirit of delay or the spirit of hindrance, that's assigned. And so it's not like we've been attacked by, uh, you could say, like spirits of fear or the unclean realm, or greed, or anger, or resentment, and these kinds of things, they're obvious to us. We realize, man, we're under attack, and uh, we're feeling a little bit weird in our thinking, and so forth, unforgiveness. No, no, this is interesting, because it's like a scheme of the enemy. You don't get to see it, and you kind of think, well, is this God slowing it down, and trying to work a work of patience in my life? Is it just a matter of time? I just got to keep on casually praying until we get it through? Or... Is there actually an entity, a spiritual force? It's like a person without body, without a without a body that's been rallied specifically assigned to your life to hold back the promises. The Bible is full of principles, promises, and prophecy. The promises that God has for you, the things that God has put the desires in your heart that have been sanctioned by the Holy Spirit, you'll find that sometimes, not always, but sometimes, and it takes discerning. It takes the discernment to discern the season that you're in. Sometimes it's actually a demonic spirit. And I can tell you now, the enemy wants to slow down. Okay? Can you say slow down? The momentum of your ministry to bring it into control and to contain your life. Essentially, that's what he's wanting to do is slow down the momentum. A lot of things, there's speed and there's efficiency in the kingdom of God. So the enemy wants to actually uh, ruin or destroy the efficiency of the spirit, the dynamic of God, the kingdom of God around our life as a church. Just slow things up, hold things back so it's manageable, so they're able to control it. And I like to say, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit and walking in the Spirit, Galatians 5.16, then you'll find this, that you are walking in the kingdom of God and you'll find yourself 10 steps ahead of the enemy. 
When you're in the will of God, it's difficult to outpace you. And so the, uh, the demonic spirits know that, so they, they work overnight to have us living in the rationale, in the realm of reason, in the realm of natural logic. But there's, there's actually sometimes there's no logic. And there's no logic in the, in the kingdom of God. Things are done uh, by the Spirit of God. And so let's talk about this with the spirit of acceleration in mind. And I'm going to jump straight into it. I'll miss out all of this. And um, I've written here, what God wants to do for us is for us to walk in divine acceleration and supernatural momentum that's unstoppable. God wants to pace you out. He wants to propel you. He wants to open up the doors for you. He wants to favor you. He wants to elevate you. He wants to lift you up and bring you into the promises of God. Now, there are a couple of things I must say. Uh, there, there are some timing in all of this. Sometimes if, uh, in the Word of God, we see, and I have to put this down as a disclaimer, if you like, uh, sometimes uh, things are not going to be hastened. Sometimes things will be deliberately slowed up, but it is the hand of God behind it. God will actually allow things to be slow because He wants, there's a, there's a, uh, around, the, around the promises, there's a patience that God wants to work around our life. And, uh, but we can't confuse them. So we're going to talk about how we know which is which a little bit. In James 4.3, it says, When you ask and you don't receive it because you ask with wrong motivations, and that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. So in other words, we have a motivation. You know, we want to be something or we want to do something, but actually it comes from the kingdom of self. It's actually self-engineered. Uh, you might say, well, I want to be a millionaire. And that's a good, noble thing. You might want to be a millionaire. And the Lord says, great, I've sanctioned you. I'm going to call you in your business to be a multi-millionaire, but I have to work the works of God inside you so that you can handle the status of being a millionaire. You know what I'm saying now? Because some of the things that we pray for, we don't actually understand the dynamic that surrounds some of those things. We need to be able to handle things with integrity, handle our life in humility. And so you might want to be on the stage as a preacher or a singer or somebody else. And the Lord says, yes, that desire, I have given you that desire. That's from me. But I'm going to work a work inside of you to do a work so that when you are up there, it's no longer about your gift. It's about the presence of God operating through your life. It's about the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It's now about me, Jesus. It's no longer about you. You understand what I'm saying now? The next thing is this. It's timing. The Word of God says in Ecclesiastes, it says, time and chance happen to us all. So sometimes it's a matter of timing. And in the fullness of time, the Son of God came. In the fullness of time came suddenly. Can you say the word suddenly? Okay, suddenly, and this is the good news, suddenly in the kingdom of God, events can change overnight for you. You're in the desert thinking, God, where are you? I'm praying, I'm warfaring, I'm believing in God, I'm trusting God, I'm doing all that I know to do. And all of a sudden, suddenly, the winds of the Spirit gather around your life and begin to transform terrible often disastrous and discouraging circumstance, and He catapults you into the land of blessing. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand this morning. These are true things. It's not like we're just, you know, hyping it out. I remember one time I was in Christchurch. I was, I'd preached at a church down there, and it was a smaller church of about 100 or so people. And, and I, I, was in the, I was walking down the road, actually. I remember these events very, very clearly. I was walking down the road, and I said, I know you. And he said, yes, you spoke at our church on Sunday. And I said, yeah. I said, I'm going for a prayer walk right now, and how's it all going? And he began to unpack his sad story to me. He began to say, you know what? My wife and I, Glenda, have been believing for so long that we should be relocating and living in Nelson. And he said, but, so we put our house on the market, knowing that that, believing that that was the right thing to do. And he said, we listed it with an agent, it's a reputable company, but he said, you wouldn't believe it. We haven't had the agent come through once in six months. We haven't had one person even interested in the house, not even visit. And it was a buoyant economy. And I said, strange as that may seem. So anyway, I said, you know, okay, so you believe that God wants you, your wife, Paul, uh, your wife, Glenda, that you're to live in Nelson? You believe that's the word of the Lord for your life? And he said, absolutely, we know that that's right, but there's kind of like this has been held up. And I said, well, the Spirit of the Lord says, suddenly, I said, this week your house will sell. 
It'll be bought by a Christian couple. They will come in and they will pay the exact amount that you're asking for. On Thursday, I got a telephone call by this guy, Paul. And he said, guess what's happened? And I said, what? He said, the house is sold. And he said, it's been bought by a Christian couple. And he said, and guess what? He said, the amount of money, he said, they were $1,000 shy of it. And the real estate guy said, don't worry, I'll cut my commission. And you can have what you're asking for, glory to God. Suddenly, suddenly the wind, suddenly things can change. You might be in an economic dearth in your business and finding things incredibly difficult. I want to encourage you to hang on tight to your dream. Hang on tight to the promises of God. They are yea and amen in Him, the promises of God. Oh my goodness, the Lord is for us. He's not against us. We kind of think, oh, the Lord wants us to really beat us down and make hardship and bring us through light afflictions and difficulties. You want to, want to work all the stuff in us? Yes, God wants to work the work of His Son in our life. There's no doubt about that. At the end of the day, that's always what it is about. But I want to submit to you, perhaps you're in a season this morning where things are just being held up to coincidentally. It's like a frustration. The enemy wants to frustrate us so that we begin to have a, a sense of discouragement around our life. Our, our expectation becomes low that when someone on fire comes around your life and says you need to be believing for better things and greater things, it's like you think, well, I haven't even passed the elementary yet. I haven't even had these answered prayers back over here, let alone you're saying that I should be walking in a realm over here of great faith and expansion and increase and so forth. It's difficult to believe for great high things when we haven't had the witness and the experience of God even answering the smaller things. Do you know what I'm saying? So this morning, we want to get God in the house God around our life in such a capacity, in such a way that we ask expansive in our faith, that we believe in for breakthrough. God wants you, God wants to open up doors that no man can open. He wants to elevate you. He wants to favor you. He wants to favor and elevate His church. He wants His church to shine like a radiant bride. He's coming back not to a buckled, bruised up bride or a, a taunted, tormented insecure bride that desperately needs help. That's not the end time church in the book of Revelation. Sorry, I don't know what we've been reading. When you read between the lines, you see it. God is coming back to a magnificent bride and a magnificent bride. It's got the, you know, the beautiful dress on with army boots on. You know what I mean? We've got, we've got a sword in our hand and some love and oil on the other hand. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand this morning. All right. Where are we going here? 2 Chronicles 23, uh, 29, verses 36. And Hezekiah rejoiced and all of the people that God had prepared the people. For the thing was done suddenly, unexpectedly. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven. When it's your season, the doors will open. The provision will arrive. There'll be like the the spirit of progress around your life. The obstacles will go. And I want to say this in church, we don't actually have the luxury as born-again believers. I don't know what your spiritual state is here today. But as a born-again believer, you do not have the luxury of having a slowed-down life. There's pace and efficiency in the kingdom of God. I don't believe for one matter God wants you in the dark realm, in the obscure realm where nothing's happening for you. I believe the will of God is signs and wonders and miracles. I believe the will of God, the will of God is expansion. And so one of us king spirits in the church today is the Lord is, is uh, knocking on the door of our own heart and beginning to cleanse us from unbelief, doubt, cynicism, all this sort of stuff. God wants to break that shackle around our life. Get us out of natural thinking and get us where we're actually in the realm of the spirit where we believe God. All things become possible to him that believe. We put our faith and we put our trust in him. You see, if we've got low level faith, when adversity comes, when clamor comes and storm comes, we get buffeted around. The word of God says we get thrown by every wind of doctrine. But you know, that's not the end time church. God is raising up a major remnant, a, 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 a breakthrough church, a breakthrough where people have miracle faith, where we have acceleration at hand, where God is storming the nation. Awesome stuff. Praise God, brother. 
Divine acceleration is the supernatural quickening of your ministry. It's the quickening of your circumstance into realities. It will turn around strategic situations and delays, causing advancement to overtake and overrun you. The things of the Spirit can be instantaneous suddenly. The Holy Spirit causes you to move beyond the natural, expected process. Something that would normally take four and five years takes only a couple of months and often weeks because God is moving. The Holy Spirit now is in charge. We're now allowing God to open up the door. He's in charge. He's leading His people forward. Moses prophesied or pronounced, all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake. Can you say overtake? Oh, well, love that word, overtake. Overtake you. Some of you love that when you're driving up an orchard. You love that word, overtake. As long as you're in the driver's seat, overtaking. All these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the Lord's voice. Deuteronomy 28, 2. Amos 9, 13. How about this? Amos prophesied. He said, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord of hosts, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper, and the treader of grapes, him who sows seed. God wants the church to overtake, to move forward and overtake its enemies. God wants the church to be on like the city on a hill, radiant bride. When the Holy Spirit moves with divine acceleration, it will call times and seasons to change. When the Holy Spirit is around our life, did you know that Jesus said to his disciples this? He said, hey guys, I'm going to cause you to reap where you haven't even sown. How would you like to do that? In other words, you're going to harvest the hard work of others. That was a promise to the early disciples. When there's acceleration around your life, let me tell you this, it's not about hard slog. It's about you've done your season. The doors are now opening. Now you're going to reap the rewards of your labors. But secondly, it's also this, that God actually takes you into severe, into a sphere or into a realm where others have done the hard work. You've got great ministries in Africa and India and so forth. They're actually harvesting literally, literally millions of people. Oh my goodness, some crowds are up to 1.5 million people. It's amazing. Holding multiple prayer rallies and people are coming in in the tens and the hundreds of thousands right through the Middle East there. But you know, then you have to go back in history and you look at the seeds that were sown by other missionaries that labored, that learned the language, that went amongst them, that planted churches and got the Bible translated into multiple languages and they worked. And but, but who at the end of the day gets the reward? They both get the reward. The man that sowed, the woman that wooded and the man that wooded the harvest. We all get the same reward like that. The fact is we've got to be obedient to what God wants us to do. But I want to give you this, is that God wants you to start reaping some of the stuff you haven't sown. He wants you to actually, according to this scripture, inherit the salvation that you haven't even sown the seeds. You never watered there. Somebody else spoke to him on an airplane. Mom and dad has been praying for him for the years, but you talked to him about the power of Jesus Christ and share your testimony. Would you like to receive him right now? Jesus as Lord of your life. And they say, I would love to. You think, wow, that was really quick. Yes, because you're now reaping what somebody else has sown in prayer and also an activity, which is good. How about this? When the Holy Spirit moves with divine acceleration, it will cause time and seasons to change. In Joshua 10, 12 and 13, this is absolutely incredible. One of my favorite scriptures is this. And it says, Then Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Sun, stand still over Gibeon, and moon in the valley of Agilon. So the sun stood still. Can you imagine it? And the moon stopped till the people had revenge upon their enemies. Verse 14, And there has been no day like this before or after it, that the Lord heeded the voice of a man for the Lord fought for Israel. Incredible. Absolutely amazing. Elijah, or Elisha, says, Elijah, when he's praying, he says, I can hear the sound of a mighty rain. And I want to ask you, what sound are you hearing right now? Are you hearing the breakthrough? Are you hearing that God is coming? 
Are you here that the windows of heaven are going to open for you? Or are you hearing what the media is saying? Are you hearing prosperity and abundance and supply? Are you hearing that? Or are we listening to the media where it says, hey, we're about to go into uh, tough times? What does the church believe? Because we're not, we're not subservient and we're not subject to our economy when we're in the supernatural. Come on now. I told you this. I think it was one guy in uh, America there. They had an earthquake down their road. They had, sorry, they had an earthquake in their city. Every house, he tells us, every house was demolished. He was in an airplane coming home. And he said, well, I prayed for my house. I prayed around the boundaries of my house, not knowing there'd be an earthquake, of course. I just knew that God could protect and bless my house. It was an asset, and I wanted to be a wise steward of it. So I lay hands on the corners of my section, and I pronounced God's divine blessing and protection over my home, which would include no home invasions. You know what I mean? No thefts, no robberies and break-ins. He said, I never had that. And he said, you know what? I was like, okay, this is going to be interesting. So I drove home, drove down my cul-de-sac in the subdivisions of America, Southern America, and he said, guess what? Every house was flattened. The only house that was a wreck was mine. You can have it if you want it. You know, some of you inherently have the gift of faith, and some of us struggle because we've had dynamics around our life. It's difficult to trust in a loving father. And that's, that's, that's a revelation. We've got to trust God, the nature of God. I personally believe it's the biggest attack that the enemy launches against us, is doubting the character and nature of God. If we go into the law of first mention, what does Lucifer try and do, Satan try and do, Adam and Eve? Put a question mark over God's holy character. The rules haven't changed. That's exactly what he wants to do today, is put a seed of doubt about your destiny, a seed of doubt about who you are, a seed of doubt that God tolerates you, that he doesn't celebrate you, that God doesn't love you. All of these things that the enemy begins to come, doubt the faithfulness of God. God is, is the eyes of the Lord run to and fro, but how come he's not looking at my life? How come things haven't shifted? How come, how come, how come this happened? How come we lost our kid? How come mum died prematurely? All this. And the enemy is right there. Yeah. How come she died? We need to blame God for that. That's exactly what he does. Exactly what he does. There needs to be a whole series on that. Isaac, Genesis 26, 12. Amazing. Uh, okay, so we've got this guy called Nahum. He's the, uh, he's the commander of the king of Syrian's armies. But he has a spot of leprosy on him. Not his whole body. It's a spot of it. But it's there. One of the Israeli girls had been swiped and pinched. And so she's looking after his wife, his mistress, and serving him. She said, you know, really what you should do is go into Israel and get the prophet. There's a prophet, Elisha, Elisha, and he will heal with this man. Funny enough, Nahum listened to it. It's really quite a humble setting. He listened to it. So he begins to go. And he begins to go. And, and he says to the king of uh, Israel, he says, oh, honestly, the king of Israel freaks out. And he says, what, am I God? That I, are they trying to uh, pick a scrap with us? Am I God that, that we can heal this person? He wasn't asking for you. He was asking for the prophet man. But it's in there, a really fascinating story, what it says. So anyhow, in the story there, he comes in. And uh, uh, we see the story is at the end of the day, Actually, I've jumped guns. This story's supposed to go later on. Hey, hold that story, will you? Just hold that story. I'm going to come back later on. And I will talk about Nahum. You, you sit down, Nahum. We're going to talk about you a bit later on. No, we're talking about Isaac, man. Isaac. Can you say Isaac? Oh, get the story right. There was a great famine and drought in the land. Now we're in the flow, which means that there was no food and no water. Famine. People were fighting to survive and fighting to live. God told Isaac to take a step of faith and plant his crops when there was no water and there was absolutely zip irritation, irrigation. A lot of irritation. <laughs> the land was cracked and parched. There was no way to water the crops. With the little energy that the people had, they dismissed Isaac as an act of a madman. He's just insane, this guy. Come on, no food, it's all barren and parched, no water. We're in this thing for the long haul, yet God, the word of the Lord says, I want you to plant the crops. Can you imagine that? Sometimes God asks us to do things that are awkward. 
It's embarrassing, and we never quite do them because we're kind of like, we don't, we're not doing them, neighbors and that sort of stuff. Do it. You know, just have a go. I think God wants to, to, to take our ego out of us. So he gets us to do things. You'll see that about Nahum in a minute. About the Lord wanted to deal with his ego. It's really interesting. Before he got the miracle, the ego had to die. Interesting. It's the same thing. God says to him, hey, plant the seeds. He didn't say, Lord, this. We've been fishing all night, Lord, like Peter. There's no fish. And he said, launch out on the other side of this fish. It wasn't like that. He didn't even contend. Mary, how shall I know since I know not a man? All of a sudden, no, he just went straight. The Bible says he planted it. He had great faith. Do you know the Bible says in the Scripture, uh, Genesis 26, 12, then Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold in the same year. And the Lord blessed him. The enemies, the Philistines, were furious. They were so envious because God will ask you to do something. He, see, as long as we're thinking about my little life boxed in and what I think I should be doing, mate, let's just start to hear from God for one moment. What are you saying, Lord? What do you want me to do in my business? How do you want me to advertise it? What sort of staff do you want me? Inquiring of the Lord, it's the next step. The anointing is in His voice. It's not in our own reason. When it's our own reason, it's the arm of the flesh, what we think. Oh, good on you. You have a go and see where you're at at the end of the day. No, 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 we're going to trust the Lord. Lean not on our own understanding and all our ways acknowledge Him. He directs our paths. It's amazing. Anybody that's been to Tibiora should know that scripture. You should. It's just about every assembly. They'll get up. Same scripture over here. Trust the Lord. Lean on your understanding. Miracles. When you think about miracles, you know, when a, 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 um, a body has been healed by God, you know what has happened? Our healing is just a quickened process. That's all it is. But how about this? Did you know your knowledge and your training can accelerate those who are doing university or online? It can. You say, well, I haven't got a brain. Behold. You say, I don't come from an academic family. Behold. Suddenly, the Spirit of the Lord can descend upon you and you can be an A, a great student. Come on now. If you want it, you can be it. Because it's no longer about you. It's no longer I that liveth, but it's Christ who liveth in me. We have the mind of Christ. Have this mind, which is also in Christ Jesus. The enemy wants to lock you down, and you're not academic, but you've got to hold. No, 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 don't even think about those thoughts. David said, Psalms 119 and 19, I have more understanding than my teachers. How about that? Acceleration. For your testimonies and my meditation are my meditation. He can elevate, he can open up a door. Let me tell you this in Revelation 3 7. God can open up a door for you that no man can open. He can. He can cause you to travel supernaturally. For those who went vaccinated, fear not. God can have you in one nation into another nation. It's possible. Happened to Philip, Philip's transport. He's ministering in Samaria, I think it is, and he's working with an Ethiopian eunuch, telling him about Jesus, interpreting the book of Isaiah, finished with him, led him to Christ, water baptized him across the road. First person brought the gospel into Ethiopia. Ethiopia is having a move of God now. Unbelievable. And so what happens? All of a sudden, he's jaunted supernaturally and comes into another area in southern uh, Israel. How did that happen? Don't ask questions, son. I can, this is God. God is not subject to time. He's not subject to space. Like free, uh, my brother was telling me, uh, I've told you this, uh, a couple in this church, an old couple, they still talk about it. They were driving along on a highway at nighttime, and uh, at dusk, and a car, a drunken driver, came right for them. He said, our car was lifted up. She tells the story. Our car was lifted up over them and landed like a feather on the other side. The guy drove into the into the tree and killed himself. It was destined to kill them, directly or indirectly, by the enemy, I don't know. They got saved out of that. They were led to Christ through that. They were just so shocked that their car went up beyond their control and landed on the ground. See, God is not subject. It's like the axe head floated. Master, master, man, this, this axe, I borrowed it. 
Elijah puts the stick in. He said, nevertheless, he puts the stick in and the thing begins to climb up against gravity. I told you we're driving along Macra in Wellington and uh, we're out of, we're driving one of those Pontiac American cars, a two-ton vehicle, like a Chevy V8. And it was awesome. Three people in the front, five people on the back. But there's only three of us this day. But that's how many could hold in the car. But we're driving along and we ran out of petrol and there's not a petrol station for miles. And we said this, nevertheless, God doesn't want to have us stranded out here. We command petrol to fill up our tank with no word of a lie. Natasha's in the front there. The dial begins to go up, 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 up and gave us about $25 worth of gas, enough to get us right into Central City. I've heard that story by others. And I think, that's my story. God just did that for me. Hey, you f- But I've heard other people preach that. And I think, man, I know that. God has done that for you. He did that for me. God can give us intelligence. I love that one. Especially when our parents and, and guardians and so forth say, you'll never be anything. Do you know um, uh, Peter Daniels? Peter Daniels is a, just died only a few years ago. This is what he said. He said, I never learned how to read or write. Never was taught it, but I taught myself at the age of 20. Australian guy. Okay. He's walking down Sydney. He said, once upon a time, I used to fight down the streets of Sydney. Today, I own half of the buildings. It's Peter Daniels. He has 45,000 people working for him. Major real estate guru. The teacher, her name was Miss Phillips. She used to say, Peter, you're never going to become anything. Peter, you're never going to become anything. Peter, you're actually quite dumb. You should look in the different direction of life, but you're never going to become anything. He said, you know what? She was so wrong. And my first book I wrote was, Miss Phillips, you are wrong. <laughs> Do you want me to tell you another story? For those people that struggle at school, I'll give you this a good one. True story. Let me tell you this one. Okay, here's a, a little fella, about eight years of age. The teacher says to him, the United States of America says to him this. He said, hey, you tell me. He said, uh, kids, what I want you to do, here's the exercise, here's the paper, butcher's paper out, you draw what you want to be when you're older. So kids were drawing things like air hostess, doctor, fireman, or fire person today, I heard, fireman. And But you know what he did? He drew a massive ranch, helicopter pad, multiple swimming pools, silos and hay barns and all sorts of stuff in a, and an airstrip, multiple accommodation units. He presented it to the teacher. You know what the teacher said? Uh, No, I've asked you to be realistic. Go take that back and redraw it, please. That's not going to happen. You want to draw something that you know is actually going to happen. He thought, no, you're dealing with a kid, childlike faith, something that's not going to happen. You can tell your children the sky's going to fall when they're young. Still waiting for it, Dad. So anyway, so what happened is this. She said, he takes it back to her and she said, look. I told you, redraw it. And she scribbles over something, you know. And so he t- she has to go home, redraw it overnight. So he comes back in the morning, the little fella, the little shaver comes back, the eight-year-old boy, and he presents the same picture to the teacher. And she said, I thought, what did I tell you? He said, ma'am, I gave it some consideration because Americans can talk. I, I gave it some consideration. You can, oh, she had marked it with an F. Marked it with an F, which means failure or useless. How many of you are used to some of those? Please don't put up your hand. (laughs) I had one until I asked my mother to do my homework for me. She marked it with an F. So he goes like this. Ma'am, he said, I considered it. He said, you can keep your F, but I'm going to keep my ranch. Okay. About 35 years later, there's this massive ranch, multiple swimming pools, airstrip, heifers on 100 hills, all sorts of stuff, and he's in his lounge with the fireplace. He's got about 40 different people around, men and friends and that, and they're having their socializing. Then he pulls behind the metal place, he pulls the, 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 the little um, the curtain off, if you like, and he's telling them the story, and he says, Whew! He said, here's the picture of the ranch at the age of eight. Amen? 
God bless you. Don't bow down for limitations or the expectations of others. Obey God from your heart. It's what God says starts the story. It's what God says finishes the story. Let's get on and talk about advancement and, uh, and acceleration because it's, it's a very true issue for us. God can bring supernatural help. Divine acceleration restores what's been stolen from us. Think about it. What's been stolen from you? Time. Joel 2.25, so I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten. Stolen opportunities. Stolen resources. How about stolen self-image? It's never too late to God to tinker with your situation. You say, I'm too far gone now. Maybe it's for others. No, 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 no. It's for others and it is for you. You say, I'm too old now. No, 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 no. It's still for others and it's for you. Don't look at yourself like that and say you've too bent out of shape, too, uh, too damaged goods, I'm too damaged goods. It's not like that. It's not how God works. He's a restorer. You say, well, my situation is beyond. I've been under all sorts of counselors. I've sat under psychiatrists and psychologists, and they say it's just like they want to put all the stuff inside of me. Look, you can still be a miracle in the working. You say, my marriage is absolutely, man, there's so much that has gone on there and there's so much history now. It's impossible. Look, God can take you, take something out of the miry clay and catapult you into a realm of absolute blessing that you have a story for a generation. That's our miracle. He's a restorer. He's a healer and he's a deliverer. Cheer. A replenisher, a redeemer. How quickly the tables can turn, church. How quickly they can turn. We must pin our eyes on Jesus, author and perfecter. We have to do the things more quickly, I believe. We need to come up and get a spirit of efficiency around our own lives. Don't lag back. Cooperate with God. Move in with Him. Get things happening around our life. Don't sort of, you know, like this in life, you know. Just like, don't, don't, man, put a bit of a step in it, man. You know, just like be a New Yorker, you know. <laughs> Problem is they don't talk to anybody, you know what I mean? Just, but at least this guy's, you know, you're going to have a conversation, you know. <laughs> Extended like <laughs> Some of you need things to accelerate. You need things quickened. You need things to happen. Being around that mountain way too long. Way, way, way too long. Essentially, what do we do? Here's, here's, we're going to get into it. How do we do it? Very quickly. We need God, you ready? To take up our cause. We need God. So what's going to get the attention of God? Okay, number one, how do we get out of this pickle? How do we get out of the stuff that's around our life? We have to go back to the Word of God and look, and we have to go back to experience. Experience validates the Word of God. So some of it's, it's tried, tested, and proven. And other areas for me, we've got to break through in, but the principle is still the same. Okay, humility. Yeah? It's the basic bottom line aspect of breaking through. Look, when it's about us and we present, we come to God with our egos, we come to God with our achievements, it's not what He's looking for. That's the past. Bury it. Lord, we need you now. Afresh. I need to come. I don't have what it takes, Lord. Seriously, I don't have what it takes. But you do. You can move a mountain, Father. You might want me to command it, fine. But you do it. Lord, I humble myself before you. That grabs the attention of the realm of the Spirit. It grabs the attention of a heavenly Father. When we humble ourselves, the Bible says, what? He exalts us. We become in pride, the Bible says, God opposes or resists the proud. What is pride? Boasting, not always. Pride is self-sufficiency. I know what I'm doing. We need to come to a place where, Lord, I don't know what I'm doing. You know, when it comes to the church, I'll be honest with you, I don't know what I'm doing half the time. I just get up here and I preach the messages that God preaches. I say, Lord, what do you want me to do? I don't have a blueprint. Are we going to do this this month? Are we going to do this this month? It's just, there's no room for God in it. You can structure your household all you like and routine everybody out and rust everybody out. And it'll be just like hell on earth. Well, you can have grace in the home. 
You're going to have love and compassion of the home. You're going to have the power of Jesus in the home. And everybody begins to work and sink and do what God has asked them to do because they're in harmony with the purposes of God. But I think when we come, we're not singing. When we come and it's, oh, yeah, we know what we're doing, Lord. And, you know, another conference or another, uh, another, another message to preach and another thing to do. Yeah, I know. Oh, oh, uh, file 32. File 32. How do you do that? To the, it's a different crowd. It's a different people. It's a different day. It's a different season. You can't just take your word and drop it into somebody else. You need to go back, study and inquire. Lord, what is it you're saying for this time? Humble ourselves. Nahum, just about there. 2 Kings 5, 10 and 14. God may ask you to do something that's embarrassing, that's awkward, that your family say, oh, I wouldn't do that. Why? It's just, uh, what's the neighbors going to think? It's not always, but God actually asks us. There were churches that offered, I'm not, a, you know, I'm not, I'm not talking about the vaccination, unvaccination, so please don't get a wrong message on this, but there were churches that felt like they wanted to close down, that's their business. But there are other churches around the world that decide we're not going to close down and miraculously God caused them to grow. One church grew to 7,000. They refused, they, they negotiated with the Texan government. They said, no, we're not. And here's the reason why. And they didn't put the pressure on them. They said, but we're not closing because the Lord has spoken to us. But the flack that they came under from ch- other churches, you get it closed down and like us and be a you know, stinky stale like us and that sort of stuff. They lost numbers, some of them. It's really incredible what's happened. So what I want to say, I use that as a crude illustration. What is God asking you to do? It may be embarrassing. It may, you may have to do something. You know, there's a door of opportunity. I knew I should have been in one job, one particular job because the Lord has spoken. He said, I'm giving that job. And I thought, really? And it was like weeks and weeks and months and months. And I said, well, Lord, what do you want me to do? The Lord said, so, so $500. 500 bucks. So far, you want me to give up $500? Yes, 500. I said, yes, sir. So I gave $500 to where the Lord had, had asked me to do it. That week, I get an approach from that company and said, we want you to come and work for us. All I did was ask the Lord what to do. But Nahum went away angry and said, you see what happens? He was asked to go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan. Remember the little slave girl? Okay, so, so comes to Elijah, he's got the, the leper on him, leprosy on him, and he said, I want you to wash in this pool over here. It's embarrassing. This is like the, uh, the commander of the Syrian army. Wash in this pool. And he contends with it. He gets really upset about it. He said, well, hang on a minute. I expected you to wave a wand and I'd, I'm a dignitary. I expect to come and you just, you know, you're the prophet and, and heal me. The Lord had something. Lord, see, can I say this? The reason why, this is, this is a real important principle. God knows how to bless us, so He gets us into His principle so He can bless us. Do you understand that? So what He does, He moves us into the principle. He moves us into humility where we bow down. Then He can bless us. And so sometimes things are held up. Okay, they're held up, but the Lord says, okay, the what's going to break you through is the sowing. So He gets you to sow, and then you reap. That's how He does it. Or He gets you to humble yourself, and then the Lord begins to open up the windows of heaven over your life. God knows what He's doing. And so this here, we've got this thing going down. I thought that I would surely come out and be stand. uh, Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you'll be cleansed. He didn't even come out and see him. He sent a messenger out, Elisha. So the guy goes like this, but Naaman went away angry and said, I thought, verse 11 of Kings 2 Kings 5, I thought that we would surely come out to me, you would, and stand and call on the name of the Lord, his God. Wave his hand over the spot and cure me of this leprosy. Verse 12, are not Abner and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than the, all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went away in rage, it says. Nahum's servants, and I find this interesting, his servants said it, not his counselors. Sometimes God's voice comes from the most weird places. Sometimes it will come from your children. Sometimes it will come from your non-Christian family. Sometimes the word of the Lord will come from a non-Christian father. Seriously, he'll have a word in season for you. God will use people like that. Absolutely. Nahum's servants went and said to him, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? 
How much more then when he just tells you, wash and be cleansed? So he went down, verse 14, and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times. They say the story is it was embarrassing for him. This great statue man humbling himself and washing himself in this filthy, raggy river of just dirt and mud and all sorts of stuff. But you know what the Bible says? He came up and he was cleansed of leprosy, that of a baby boy or that of a baby girl's skin. Sometimes God will ask us to do something. And I, wanna, I, wanna, I want us to be listening. The first principle of breakthrough when there's delay around our life is humility, coming before the Lord in humility and asking the Lord, what do you want me to do? The Lord may say to you, the rod is in your hand or the fish is in your hand. Sometimes it may be something simple. Sometimes it may just be humbling yourself and getting help. He said, but I don't want their help. Why? Well, embarrassing. Number two, getting there, just about there. Do everything He asks you to do. Engage strategic prayer. Notice Matthew 25, 5, it says, But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and they slept. So this is what ends up happening. God speaks to you, and I've heard this so many times. I say to people this, are you, uh, how's it going with the, um, you believing for such and such? I remember the prophecy. Oh, yeah, I kind of, um, I kind of, uh, yeah, it's just, yeah, yeah. Still believing though. Absolutely still believing. Oh, that's awesome. Are you praying about it? Mm, not a lot. But are you even getting in there and praying? Because remember, Daniel prayed it through. He heard from God that it should be here. He didn't give up. He prayed and prayed and pushed through. Like Luke 11 and Luke 18 tells us, keep on knocking. So you've got to pray it through. One of the last ones here is this, is do work, work. Don't just rest it. Don't allow it to rest. Luke 11 and Luke 18, they allowed it. They didn't allow it to rest. They kept on going. Put pressure. Put pressure on people. Now, I worked for a corporation one time, and this is true. There were, there were contracts of people who are like tip-top and other demanding companies that require so much, and they require a lot of thought and stuff and, and so forth. They were big contracts. But then there were other small people that had little tiny things they ordered. But they would ring up, and you'd say, oh, go away. You know what I mean? This is the, mate, this is, this is the priority here, you know, the big picture. And they would ring up again, ring up, is it ready? And I'd say, we haven't even looked at it yet. And they would come back, and they're like two days later, we, we need it now. And I'd say, yeah, yeah, it's coming, it's coming. And you start like, Anne-Marie, would you answer the phone for that? It's that lady again. It's that lady. What lady? The lady that's wanting the little stuff. And, oh, she answers the phone, yes, hello. Yes, we're serving and it's coming on its way. When is it ready? And so it's not about being rude or obnoxious, but we've got to do the bizzo. We've got to keep pushing through. You know, it's because it's not always urgent for anybody else. We had some money that was owed to us uh, years and years ago, and uh, we needed it now. We actually needed it yesterday. And then when we finally put pressure on them, they said, oh, we're so sorry. It's been on our desk for over three weeks. I thought, on your desk? What? It's only a minute call and we're stressing out over here. Delay, 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 delay. So you break the spirit of delay by prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command the mountains to submit. I command every delaying spirit to come off. I lose the spirit of acceleration. Some of us, we need to actually fast. This kind comes out through prayer and fasting. It would do us well to shift things in the spirit. There are some things that are delayed. We look at our family and we look at the, the grandparents and we see a pattern of delay. Sometimes we need just, just more than one prayer. We need to get in there and begin to warfare and push that thing right over. But it's the church coming up. There's a harvest for our church. You know, I believe we're praying for 15 extra families to join the church. But I know between every family is an assignment because God, the enemy does not want one of them sitting in the household of God. Because when you get one person in the household of God, you can change an entire generation. You know about this. So he works. Oh, you got to. And then all of a sudden rosters come on Sunday. How many times have I heard that? We were coming, but they changed our roster. Do you know what I would go? I would go back to my boss and say, now look, this respectfully, Sunday is a day of worship. I'm an SDA or whatever I am. I'm a you know, religious person. I, I don't want to work and just get out of here. Help me out. And they say, well, no, you're going to have to. We're short staffed. Look, this, is, this has happened to me. Do you know what? 
I would say, well, respectfully, I'm going to have to go. Because there are some things that are eternal. It's a message to my children. The seed gets sown. Everything about us says something about us. They monitor not what we say, but what we do. They follow our value systems. And so I would be doing it. I'm not putting condemnation on anybody. I don't know who's working on Sunday. I don't know. I don't know. But what I'm saying is, if it was me, I would negotiate hard. I'd go back. Have you looked at the roster yet? Oh, no, no, no. Next day. Have you looked at the roster yet? Can you give me a break? Come at the end of the week. Then you come at the end of the week. Have you looked at that roster yet? Well, okay, we'll do it now then. You put pressure on them. It's not manipulation. It's not witchcraft. It's Luke 11. It's Luke 18. They kept on praying, kept on knocking, kept on importunity. The Bible talks about shamelessness. Keep on pushing through. So in conclusion, what are we doing? We identify a delay. We ask God for the spirit of acceleration. We do everything God has asked us to do. We pray, we fast, we declare, and we take authority over those spirits of delay. Go for it. Warfare them out. Join with the cell group. Join with the church. Join with somebody else. Get into a prayer network. Two or three are gathered and begin to hound that thing, begin to break that thing down, begin to push that thing. Some of you have been leaving for God to do miracles. Some of you are in an extended season you shouldn't be in. It's extended season of illnesses and sicknesses. An extended season of financial hardship and difficulty. Extended season of the kids not coming. Whatever it is, we believe in miracles and we need you now, God. I wrestle. I wrestle. I'm not going to let you go, Jacob. I'm not going to let you go, Father, until I wrestled you. Until you bless me, I'm not going to let you go. God took his hip out. Jacob's now walking around like this. Like Rango, you know. But that's it. You know, the biggest battle is us, you and me. Do we want it? Do we want it for our generations? Do we want it hard? Persevere. Per means through. Severe means hard. Go through hard. Push through hard. Push through. Push through. Push through. Push through. Push through. If you want it, want it, do it for the next generation. There are things that I'm fighting for in my own personal life. It's for the next generation. It doesn't have a lot to do with me, but I'm pushing it through. I'm praying and believing in God because I want the grandkids. I want the great grandkids because they'll be an influence. We're dead and buried and two papas somewhere. Who cares? Nobody, when you're dead, nobody cares a rip about us sometimes. But it's the next generation, the mantle comes on them. And then the other mantle, the multiple mantles, the dimensions of God's grace comes upon us. If you enjoyed this message, feel free to subscribe and leave a review. We'd also love to hear from you. You can connect with us on Instagram or Facebook at Celebration Raro or visit our website celebration.atonga.com. Until next time.